So a friend of mine, his name is uh, John Hollert, he, uh, he tells a story. Um, about years ago, um, they picked up this little stray dog. Someone had basically abandoned it, and they brought it to their little farm. And because their farm, you know, they had a small farm with chickens and some goats and a couple cows. And, and uh, because they had a real issue with coyotes, they decided to put this little puppy in with the chickens in the chicken coop. That way he'd have a little bit of protection. He said a couple weeks later, he was working on the farm, and all of a sudden he hears the rooster in the middle of the day. What's wrong with the rooster crowing like that in the middle of the day? He walks over, and it's not the rooster clucking. It's the dog. And he made the point that in that dog's formative moments, he began to identify with the chicken's and the rooster, and not with the way he was made to be. We're going to go into a new series today that I've titled Identify. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, Identify? And my goal in this series is to help you identify with Christ. In fact, the word identify means to associate in name, feeling, interest, and action. And I would start this series with a question to you. Who are you? Who are you? Are you the ex-jock from high school days? Is that who you are? What's your identity? Who, who, who are you? Are, are you a Democrat? Are you a Republican? Are you a Libertarian? Are you black? Are you white? Are you Hispanic? Are you Asian? Who are you? Are you identified by your sexual temptation? Are you identified by your anger episodes that you have? Who are you? Are you identified by your relational failures from back in the day? When you look in the mirror, who, are, who do you play out? What role do you play out in this cosmic play called life? It's with that that I want to help you understand who God made you to be and who God sees you as. In fact, I'm going to teach you through this series three phases of identification that you and I have to grow in. We're going to start today with the first phase, or the first identification. And we're going to look at what the Bible calls you as a new creature. As a Christian, you and I are supposed to be identified as a new creature in Christ. We've got a key scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. If you'll turn on your Bibles and go there quickly as you can. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says it like this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Everybody say new creation. Say it out loud. Say new creation. Turn to that person next to you and say new creation. 2 Corinthians identifies how we're supposed to identify ourselves as a Christian. The first phase in our identity with Christ. What happens many times is many of us never make the shift of identity. Because if we're a new creation, that means there is an old creation. If old things are supposed to pass away and everything's supposed to become new, what I find in Christendom and what I find in people's everyday lives is many times they're still tied back to their old person. Yes, they come to church, and yes, they want God, and yes, they, on Sundays, try to really serve the Lord and really want to be great, but then they have this draw back into their old self simply because they've never simply identified as a new creation. I tell the story all the time, but it's mine, so I'll tell it again. 
years ago I was at Walmart and checking out and the little lady in front of me was on the phone and she was hammering whoever it was. She said, I told his blanking good nothing beep. I said to beep and I left a beep, beep, beep. And she just, and the poor little girl checking out was looking at me and I'm like, and so I just can't take it after a while. I just find, lady, Jesus is still on the throne. She goes, oh, no, I just want to praise him right now. I just want to give him praise. You know what her problem was? She only identified as a Christian when she came to church. She still was her old self who came and played a game when she came to church because she never truly made a change. She never had a name change. The ladies that are married in the room, they understand a name change. See, they used to be called Mrs. Smith. They're now, now they're called Mrs. Fontaine because they married you. And people see them differently because they've had a name change. I want to look at a moment in Scripture where we see Peter having like a name change, an, an identity shift. We're going to read a little bit of this passage in Matthew chapter 16. So let's turn there quickly. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. Today you'll notice I'm trying to talk a little slower because uh, people have said, Pastor, you're killing me. And so, but I'm trying to get an hour message into 35 minutes so you can get to lunch before the, the Methodists do. It's not going to happen. They let out at 11. I just want you all to know. You came to later service anyway. Matthew chapter 16. You found it? Say yes. All right. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. It says, And when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Verse 14. They replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And Jesus, he kind of filled this pause for emphasis and he kind of feel like he leans into him he says but what about you he asked who do you say I am in verse 16 Peter answered you are the Christ the son of the living God it's as though Peter punched Jesus in the face Jesus like and look at his response Jesus replied blessed are you Simon son of Jonah for this was not revealed to you by man but by my father in heaven and I tell you that you, you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. It's a powerful passage. We see the shift that happens in Peter's life in this moment. I want to take a moment and kind of break this down for, for you a little bit. Jesus takes his 12 men that he's discipling, that he's mentoring. He takes his crew. He takes them to Caesarea Philippi. That's about 30 miles away from where they've been ministering and hanging out, where most of them grew up in the Galilean area. So they go off, if you will, they're kind of, you know, kind of country folk, blue-collar guys, and he takes them to this area that is like a spa, uh, heightened city area. And he takes them to Caesarea Philippi, and this spot is right at the, 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 the opening of, of Mount Hermon, right at the base of Mount Hermon. And right there at the base is a, is, a, is a cave. It's an opening to a cave area. And in biblical times, those who worship Baal, they set up temples right there at that base because there is a stream that comes out of that mountain and it has all of these little pools right outside. And it's like this little luxury place. And, and Jamie and I have been there. And back in the day, they built these temples. And they built these temples in Jesus' day uh, to, to, to worship Pan, the Pan worship, and which was the fertility god that they would worship. And, and the image that they worship was a goat. And so at this spot, I want you to picture the red light district. 
I want you to picture sophisticated folks doing wicked things behind the doors and out in front of the doors around all the pools that are happening because it's an act of sexual worship is what they're doing. So he's got his country boys with him. They have, they're, not, they're, they're out of town. They're on a road trip. And they're standing there taking all of the red light district in. And these wealthy business, popular people are in there in the midst of perversion, doing crazy, wicked stuff. And Jesus looks at them and has a, has a team moment. And he says, hey, guys, I want to ask you something. Who do the people say that I am? Well, uh, some say you're like Elijah or Jeremiah, one of the prophets, like John the Baptist, because, you know, you're kind of like crazy, and you call them to repentance and stuff like John does. Uh, you see things and do miracles like the prophets used to do. That's, that's pretty much who they perceive you to be. And then he leans in and he says, well, who do you say I am? I would imagine the other guys are kind of like, well, we just, uh, you're a prophet, you're a good dude. I mean, we're seeing some really cool things. But Peter immediately without hesitation, responds, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He virtually, he's basically saying, you're not a prophet. You're not just a good dude. You're not like, like Islam calls you just one of the other prophets. You are the son of God. You are the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to God except through you. You are the promised Messiah. You are the king of glory standing right here in front of me. You are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. When he makes this statement, everything shifts in that moment because he goes from being Peter the fisherman dude he goes from being the Peter who always says something stupid come on you got a kid like that in your house like why did you say that like where did that come from just 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 go away he's that guy and in this moment he says you are the Christ he literally shifts from the dumb fisher dude who's just hanging out with a good godly man and kind of and he shifts to you are the savior the messiah and when he makes that shift of understanding the revelation of who jesus is jesus then makes a shift in his life and says boy i'll tell you who you are you're peter you're not Simon, son of Jonah anymore. You're not the old stupid fisherman guy. You're not the pervert anymore. You're not the liar and the guy with the anger issue anymore. You are Peter. You are the rock. And God, what Jesus does in this moment, he does a word play. Because the word Peter in the Greek, now again, now he's a Jewish boy, so his name is, is, is brought out in the Hebrew. But in the Greek, the word is Petros which is rock. And then Jesus says, you are Peter. You're a rock. I'm telling you who you are because you have this revelation and now you have an identity shift and you understand who I am. Therefore, you're different. And let me explain something to you. You are a rock. You are Peter a rock. That is a rock. And what he's doing is a wordplay because Petros is one rock. And he says, you are Peter the rock. And what he's saying is because you are one of many rocks. So in biblical times, the way they would make a road is kind of like, have you ever seen these cobblestone roads? Maybe in Europe or some places like when you get on the East Coast and some of the older places, they, they'll they take a rock and they'll, and they'll use it as a base rock and then they'll put other rocks all against them. And then they, they put heavy stuff upon them. Jesus is saying, Peter, you get it. You've had a transformation. You understand that you're a new creature in Christ. You understand I'm the Messiah. You are a follower of me. And so you're the beginning of this whole road. And then others will come and put their faith in me. And 
their identity will change, and then their identity will change until we have a pathway that all can see. This is the way that leads towards you. And I am that road. I am that pathway because your faith is in me. You, he, in that moment, Peter stopped identifying with his old man, and he started identifying with the new man that Jesus had made him to be. Here's the problem. Many of us go to church because we want God, but we're still identified with our old man. Can I help you with something? If you've asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, friend, you're not the old pervert that you used to be anymore. You're not the old liar that you used to be anymore. You're not the old, the old guy who messes around on his wife anymore. You're not the gal who beats on her kids anymore. The old has passed and the new has come. But if you never identify yourself as having made that change, then that old identity begins to continue to dominate who you are. You and I have to make an identity shift. Are you still with me? Say yes. Come on, you can do better now. Are you still with me? Say yes. Years ago, I was watching PBS because that's what I do. <clears throat> There's this frontline special that grabbed my attention. I was flipping through the channels and PBS, you know, they, they outsource to this producing group called Frontline, different shows, and they go do these investigative reports and they'll literally make two, three hour, four hour shows, documentaries. And the reason why it caught my attention, it was called the Children of Rockdale County, which is a county uh, there uh, right outside the Atlanta area of Georgia. It was an area of wealth. And what had happened was these producers, these Journal, journalists, investigators began to be aware that there was a high rate of syphilis, sexually transmitted disease, amongst 13, 14, and 15-year-olds in this particular area of the country. The reports were coming back like crazy. And so as they began to investigate it, we're not talking impoverished people. We're not talking about, we're talking about wealthy, wealthy kids. Mom and dad had so many great, had, had so much money that they weren't putting any attention to their kid. Mom was off being a socialite. Dad was off being an executive, blah, 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 blah. And all these kids were basically bored. It was the rise of internet porn. And so they're watching and then going and acting out what they're seeing, 13, 14, and 15-year-olds. And there's this huge rise in sexually transmitted diseases. And all these kids who have good money, and they're just bored. After school, they're just being wicked because they've got nothing else to do, basically. they got all the cars they could ever want. They've got all the wealth they could ever want. And as they begin to journal this whole process with them, at the same time, God started doing something. And there was a local church who got a new youth pastor. And he was fired up. So he started ministering to all these kids. He started getting them saved. And before you knew it, their church, about 250 people, had three, 400 kids coming to the youth service on Wednesday night. I mean, it's revival. And the same kids that they were interviewing about all their sexually crazy, deviant behavior that they're doing, they're now interviewing them weeks later as they're going to this youth ministry. And they're getting radically saved. And they're down on their face crying to God. And they're interviewing them. They're saying, what do you think about God changed my life. I don't need that junk anymore. I just want Jesus. And so I'm in front. I'm watching. I'm all into this thing. Like, whoa and then it kept going and they interviewed these kids a month later six months later there's one particular kid i'll never forget the scene i mean it, it, it's it's just seared onto my brain this kid now is 16 years old and he is washing his new truck his king ranch truck that his mom and dad had bought him an eighty thousand dollar vehicle and he's 16 i want to reach through there and just grab him by the throat like you ain't never worked a day in your life. You don't deserve a truck like that. Especially I'm driving old beat up Honda Accord with CV joints that don't click, 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 click every time. The kid's washing this truck. And they're interviewing him. 
They said, so how's it going with your Christianity? And I'll never forget, he turns to the camera, he's got the water hose, you know, and he goes, nah, I'm not into that anymore. Now, he had been one of the big propagators in all this perversion. He then was one of the kids that was just a God, you're the greatest. And he was bringing all his friends, and they're all getting saved. Now they're interviewing him months later. And he goes, oh, no, I'm not in that anymore. They said, well, what happened? I'll never forget his statement. He goes, yeah, I just didn't want to do the stuff that Christians do anymore. I really enjoyed what I was doing before. I remember looking at this kid on this video, on this TV. I'm thinking... Oh, my goodness. See, Jesus didn't fail. The power of God didn't fail. I I think he was sincere in his desire to know God and not be like that. So how did we get to this spot? It came down to one key factor that many people miss. He never changed his identity. He never changed his identity. I love these shows where they... (laughs) Where where, somebody in the mafia finally turns and they rat everybody out. The FBI, they take them and they put them in a witness protection plan. And now the guy who was a killer and a hitman for the mafia, he now works in your little small town as the baker. And his whole identity is different and he lives differently and he acts differently. And then somewhere, they get, you know, 10 years later, it, it leaks out that he was the mafia hitman. And everybody in the little community is like, Bob killed people? See, what you and I have to understand is when we become a Christian, we, have, we take on a new identity in Christ. But the problem is, is that there's still proof that we have an old identity. And the question is, who will you identify with? Who are you? See, I may be, my past may have this mess and this mess and this mess. But I've asked Jesus into my life. I've submitted to him as my Lord and Savior. So that's the man I am. That's what I used to be. That may tempt me. I may struggle and fall and act like that at times. But that's my old man because I've identified that I am in Christ. I'm a new creature. The old has passed away and everything has become new. And if you never get your identity straight, then you can never get your actions straight. So you keep trying, and we keep trying to get our actions right. I don't want to do that anymore. If I can just pray more, I can be better. If I can just stop doing that, I, I know God, he'll help me more. And no, 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 no. Who are you? I am a man of God. I love Jesus, and he loves me. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. Yes, that's my old way. And yes, I'm tempted with that at times. And yes, the old man comes knocking all the time. But I am crucifying him daily and saying, you do not exist. I am a new creature in Christ. Friend, when you get your who and who you are right, then what you do will all change accordingly. See, you're still trying to be, you still see yourself as the wicked person who's trying to be good. No. No, 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 no. When you accepted Christ, you became his son, his daughter. And you now are fighting against the old man, trying to infiltrate the new man. A lot of people never get this. So the moment they stumble, the moment they fall, they go, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. Couldn't do what? And this is the other problem. For some of you that grew up in dead religion, you were taught that you had to work for your salvation. You had to pray more. You had to give more. You had to do this So you keep trying to work for it, and you can't just accept that you're forgiven, that you're a new creature in Christ. Because to you, that sounds, that's too easy. 
Like, it's too easy. I didn't, I didn't pay for it or nothing. I just, I just, what do you mean? Exactly. That's what's called grace. Jesus paid for you to be able to be a new creature. He paid for it. You and I receive it, and we take on the new identity. Our name changes. Our identity changes as we accept what he's done for us. That's called grace and mercy, and that is true, genuine salvation. That's what it's supposed to look like. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to do anything for it, but simply receive it. And when there's, a name, when there's an identity change, there's a name change. And that's why Jesus says, listen, you go by Simon, son of Jonah. But I'm going to tell you who you are. You're Peter. You're the first in the process of those who are making the identity shift towards me. You are the first one, and many will come behind you. Friend, I'm a part of that road. I'm a part of that cobblestone road that's all tied in together. We are those who believe in Jesus and follow him. My identity shifted. I'm not the old Adam McCain, that old guy full of selfish ambition and full of wickedness and full of himself. That man is dying every day, a fresh new death and the newness of Christ who I am. When I walk into a room, it doesn't matter if I made a mistake or I sinned 10 minutes earlier. When I walk into a room, I have learned that may be what I did, but this is who I am. I'm a new creature in Christ. I may have been stupid. I need to repent. I need to make that right. I'm so sorry, but that's not who I am. Until you get who you are straight, you can never get what you do straight. If you're still that God, see, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a little short white dude. I'm a son of the most high God. I am a man of God after God's own heart. He made me new. When will you get that revelation? Because until you do, you're going to have some difficulties. And let me show you I'll give you a couple thoughts, proof that you're still identified with your old man and you still quite haven't identified with your new man. Here's a couple proofs. Number one, you still carry shame. You carry shame. It's amazing because when you get around someone like me who's confident in who I am in Christ, you just... Man, I'm talking to the pastor. I hope he can't see that I drank a six-pack last night. Jesus, Jesus. And you still carry this shame. Why? Because you still are tied identity-wise to your old man. See, when you are a new creature in Christ and that's your identity, you say, oh, I was so stupid. Oh, Jesus, help me. That old man, old man, he's messing with me. But I'm yours. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I'm not identified as that. How do you identify yourself? You're in the, a lot of times, it's funny to watch people identify themselves. Well, I, uh, you know, I have this, and I've done this, and, I, and I've done that, and I, ha, 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 ha. I'll tell you how you should identify yourself. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of the Most High God. I'm a new creature in Christ. That old Adam, he's dead. That old person, they're dead. Let the shame go. And the only way you can is when you truly identify with who you are in God, that you're a new creature in Christ. You still there? Say yes. 1 John 2 and 12 says it like this. I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of what? On account of what? Your works? Because you went to church? Your sins have been forgiven because of what? What's it talking about? His name. Well, his name. It seems so ethereal to you. Well, let me explain it to you. My children carry the name McCain because they're mine. And so, if you've been around me, you've heard me say this a little bit. I'll ask my kids all the time, who loves you? Dad loves us. And I say, and why do I love you? 
And they all have learned over the years the right answer. And they all say, because we're yours. That's right. You carry my name, and I love you, not because you're good or bad. I whoop you because you're bad. <laughs> but that doesn't negate, stay with me, it doesn't negate you're still mine. Are you tracking? Your sins are forgiven on account of his name. Because at some point in your life you went, I don't want my name anymore. I want to take on his name. And you become married in Christ. Some of you dudes are having a hard time with that. But the poor lady sitting next to you had to do that. She took on your name. And your debt and your stupidity. And now she's tied to it. Okay. When we took on Jesus' name, we're tied to all of his glory, all of his power, all of his forgiveness, all of his grace, all of his mercy. We became tied into it. And we didn't do anything for it. We didn't work for it. We just received it because we took on his name. And the old name, the old person, is gone. You're not Simon Jonah anymore. You're Peter. You're Peter. You're a rock. You're, you, you've had a shift and you get it. And because of what you just did, others will see it too. And they will have an identity shift. Are you still there? Say yes. Here's the second proof that you're still identified with your old man. And that is you don't enjoy the presence of the Lord. You don't enjoy the presence of the Lord. Why don't you enjoy it? Well, because you have shame. Because you're not really tied in to a new identity in Christ. Because you haven't really said, Jesus, I'm yours. And you're mine. And we are one. And I'm not that old guy anymore. And so, because if you're tied in with Christ, if you're, if you're a new creature in Christ, then you love the creator. And you can't wait to be with him and share time with him. And so when we're worshiping, you just can't even help before you know it. You, your hands are going up like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want people think I'm crazy. And you're like, Pastor Adam's always throwing his hands up. I don't want to do it, but you can't help it. Why? Because you're in his presence. And when, when, you, when you walk into the presence of a king, you can't help but go, oh, the king is here. When, you, when your child and daddy, with all of his love, reaches his hands and you oh, take me into your arms. I need you. That's their natural response, his presence. You know, tomorrow is the national championship game in which LSU will dominate <clears throat> and a friend of mine uh, he had purchased two tickets for the national championship he, he paid a thousand dollars a piece for these tickets before they actually put the date out and uh, he didn't realize when he bought them that they're on the same day as his wedding so he wanted me to tell you if you're interested he's looking for someone to take his place it's going to be at Holy Cross Church on Lake Avenue at 3 p.m. the bride's name is Jenny She's about 5'4", 115 pounds, financially secure, and she's got a good work ethic. She cooks good, too, and so she'll be the one in the white truss. So if you want to take her place, his place in that. You know, you know what the problem with him is? He's identified more as a football fan than he is a potential husband. You, are you tracking with me? See, when you identify yourself as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a new creature in Christ, you love his presence. Here's the third proof that you're still so tied to your old man that you can't embrace your new man, and that is that you're still striving. You're still striving. You're still somebody being ticketed into the fast that we're trying to do, the 21 days of prayer fast. You're striving that if I pray and fast, I'll be better, and God, God will accept me more. And, I just get, and you, someone taught you that, and that is a broken relationship concept. I, I don't strive to get my wife to love me. She loves me in spite of me. I don't strive to get Jesus to love me. He loves me 
in spite of me. He loves me not because I'm good or bad. He loves me because I'm, say it with me, His. His. And you're striving. And so you just, you can never rest. You never have peace. You never have joy. Do you understand? Jesus didn't just come to save us from our sins. He also came that we might have life. And life more abundantly. Part of this whole new creature in Christ, this whole, this whole the part of one of the greatest benefits is I have life. It's not just that I'm forgiven. That's so beautiful aspect of it. It's not just that, that I'm new and I, don't, and I don't have to live in the old wickedness. But I have life now. I can enjoy life. Life is not destroying me anymore it, with all of its wickedness and, and shamefulness. I can enjoy I have life. And I don't have to strive to get it. You are accepted. I want you to say that out loud with me right now. I am accepted. One, two, three. I am accepted. Say it again. One, two, three. You're accepted. He accepts you. You're not the kid that didn't get picked for the team. He accepts you. In fact, Ephesians says he picked you. Before the foundations of the earth, he picked you. He wanted you. He, he didn't pass over everybody else, and you included, and found the superstar, and you were left out. He accepted and picked you. I want to give you a couple keys to make this identity shift. Because some of you are still struggling. Yes, you asked Jesus into your life, but you're still struggling with your identity in Christ. You still see yourself as going to church. You still see yourself as not fully committed to the Lord. You, don't, you think you, there's some ethereal thing out there that you've got to do better. You've got you to be better because you haven't completely embraced your new, new identity in Christ. You're still acting like the mafia guy because you don't realize that everything has been redone for you. So let me give you a couple of things or a couple keys to this shift, this identity change you need to make. Number one, it starts with what Peter did, and that is recognize who Jesus is. He's not the guy looking to beat you on the head every time you make a mistake. He is the Savior, the way, the truth, the life. He is the lover of your soul. He cares about you more than any person on the planet because no one else has gone to the cross for you, but he has. Great, no greater love have a man than to lay down his life. And that's what Jesus did. He laid down his life for you. He's not Santa Claus. He's not a good prophet. He is the living Savior. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you, pushing things away that are trying to destroy you. He's working on your behalf because he loves you. Recognize who he is and stop demeaning him. Stop treating him as though he is small. He is not just huge. He is greater than huge. And he's got your best interest in mind every second of the day. Are you with me? Say yes. Here's the second thing I would teach you to do to make this identity shift. And that is you need to receive your new identity. You need to receive your new identity. You need to take it. And receive it. Jesus has bought and paid for it. You need to receive it. From this point forward, we really see from this point forward, Jesus calling Peter, Peter from that point forward. Everyone's calling him Peter now. He received his new identity. He took it on and said, this is who I am. I, I, I am new in Christ. And see, let me just explain something. Uh, struggling with your old self, but be secure in your new self. Yes, you're going to struggle with your old self, but be secure with your new self. Stop, stop being secure in your old self and struggling with your new self. Make the shift. What, what I'm saying is this, is make the decision, I am a new creature in Christ. So that now is where I struggle with. Instead of saying, I'm an old pervert who's trying to struggle and be a good Christian. Make the shift. Make the identity shift. No, I'm a man of God. Yes, I still struggle with some perversion. Yes, I'm still struggling with some things over there. But that's the old guy. I'm struggling with him. I'm not struggling with him. This is who I am. Who are you? Who are you? 
I wake up every morning and remind myself who I am. Because sometimes my old man tries to dictate who I am. And I will not let it. I'm a new creature in Christ. Yes, that was stupid. Yes, that was sinful. Lord, I repent. But that's my old self I'm struggling with. I'm not struggling with my new self. I've secured myself in my identity as a new creature in Christ. Who are you? What's your identity? What do you call yourself? What does everyone think you are when they read through your Facebook post? Who are you? Here's the third thing I would teach you to do to make this identification change, and that is stop identifying with your old self. Back to our key scripture, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is. Everybody say, he is. Yes. Say it again. He is yes. a new creation. There's no qualification for it. You're in Christ. You've accepted Jesus. He's accepted you. Then you are a new creation. Stop identifying with your old person. Stop identifying and struggling with your new self. That person is dead. I am a new creature in Christ. The old has passed away. It's the, it, it, listen, it's last year's junk. It's last year's model. That's what it, the old has gone. That's what it continues reading. It says, the old has gone and the new has come. I am a new creature in Christ. I wake up every morning and declare I'm a new creature in Christ. The old Adam is dead. It's gone. The old ways are gone. My old tendencies are gone. They may come against me. I may struggle with them, but they are gone because I know who I am. I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm going to say this 500 times till you get it today. Because here's my problem with trying to be your pastor is I'm tired of looking at the shame in your eyes. I'm tired of telling you, you can do it. And you're like, no, I can't. I, I lied yesterday to you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's like, come on, man. Who are you? I'm tired of seeing your Facebook post and you're just acting like a perv and an idiot. Like, that's not you. That's not you. Yes, it is. You don't know me. You just don't know anything about me. Well, you told me that you were a Christian. Which says to me, you took on the new identity. So the problem is, you got the tag, but you didn't even believe it yourself. And so I've got to get you to recognize you are a new creature in Christ. Struggle with the old man, not with the new man. Struggle with the old man, not with the new man. Because, yes, there's going to be some residue of the old man, sure. But the residue doesn't dictate who you are. You dictate who you are. You declare who you are based on what he says about you. And he said, you're a Peter. Can you imagine? Peter goes, whoa, whoa. I made the shift. Yes, I'm not a loser anymore. He gets it. And here's the fourth and final thing. I gotta move you quickly. Fourth and final piece that I would teach you to do, and that is remove all old identifications. If you're going to be the new creature in Christ, and you've got to remove all the old identification pieces. You can't go into the witness protection plan, and you carrying the shirt, ex-hitman. -hit Work for the Mexican cartel. The Bible actually says it like this. It's not even proper for us to mention what the wicked do in secret. Do you know why your kids are confused? Because you keep talking about the good old days before you were Christian. Let me just help you with it. Ephesians 4 and 22 says it like this. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Remove all those old identifications. Put off that old self. Put it off. Remove it. Remove it. Can you imagine? I mean, Jesus is looking at you all the time like, excuse me? I paid for this thing. And you're still acting like 
you not mine. Like, that's because you haven't properly had the identification shift. And so we say, well, I didn't really, I didn't really know what I was shifting into. Well, sure you did. And you get to make that decision every morning of the day. I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. Can I just help you? Listen, you, you need to remove all the old identity. For some of you, you need to take those old wine bottles off the countertop, off the, off the shelf. When the last time you got plastic, back, <laughs> see that right there? <laughs> Woo, we put one on that day. Woo. No, 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 that's your old man. That's not your new man. That's not your old, that's your old man. Put that off. The reason, the, listen, I, I don't, I don't want to give credence to my old man. I'm trying to crucify my old man. I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm not trying to be holy and be accepted by the Lord. I have received holiness. I have received acceptance from the Lord. And so I put off the old man. I put it off. You and I, as believers, were made new in Christ. You were reformed, refashioned. And now it's time for you to identify with your new man instead of your old man. Yes, it's easier to identify with the old man because it's what's more natural. It's more comfortable. When I moved to Texas, it was so hard for me. It was hard to be a Texacajun from Louisiana, and, and, and it was hard for me. I, you know, I, I, I still don't know the Texas pledge properly. Did Texas won under something? And I, I just mumbled. And it, I'll never forget the point I had to, I had to say, that's it. I'm Texan. I'm not Cajun anymore. I'm Texacajun something. I, I live in Texas. I don't live in Louisiana anymore i got to ship in my crawfish. They don't grow them here. The moment I, may, I, I identified with Texas, and I'll never forget, it was a, a couple elections ago, and I was like, we will succeed. We don't be our own nation, Texas, the nation of Texas. I got all into it, right? And I, if you will, I took on the identity. It's time for you and I, because you love God, to go ahead and completely take on the identity.